I think it is realistic, but I think it's something that we're going to have to uh, try a bit harder if we are actually going to achieve it. Uh, you know yourself that there are a lot of opportunities here in Orkney for uh, wind power. There are a lot of opportunities in Shetland and other uh, places like ours in the Western Isles where we can generate a lot of, of electricity from wind power. But uh, at the moment, because the government rules, it's very expensive to get that electricity from Shetland, from Orkney, from the Western Isles, where it's generated to the cities on the mainland where it's going to be used. And unless the government actually get that right, then it's not actually going to happen and they're not going to meet their target, which I think would be a pity because we need to have more uh, electricity generated from things that don't cause harm to the environment, like wind, like wave, like tidal power, instead of things that do, like, like coal and oil. The skyline of Orkney's World Heritage Site will be affected by the Mamblo wind turbines. How do you feel about the impact on the landscape? I think that Orkney as a whole needs to decide where the appropriate places to have wind turbines and wind farms are. Otherwise what we're going to have is a whole scattering of them in different places and they might not be appropriate. The point about the Merimbo inquiry that I know a lot of people are concerned about is that they feel it's too close to some of the World Heritage Sites. And, you know, it would be a shame if we damage something in the World Heritage Site unnecessarily when there are other options and other places that we could be putting windmills in our name. However, there was another side to the wind farm debate. We spoke to Caroline Wickham-Jones from the Orkney Heritage Trust to see what she thinks about the wind turbines and their impact on Orkney. Over to reporters Anna and you. You heard Alistair Carmichael's and his party's views about the wind turbines in Orkney. As a member of the Orkney Archaeology Trust, how do you feel about wind turbines being built in Orkney? Well, I think wind turbines are a very good thing for Orkney. The renewable energy, obviously, is very important. But the problem that we have in Orkney is that Orkney is a small place and the landscape is actually quite fragile. There are elements of the landscape that we need to protect carefully. And so it's not just a question of putting wind turbines anywhere. So we had a case recently where somebody wanted to build some wind turbines in an area that was quite sensitive because of the archaeological sites in the area. 
And so this caused a lot of debate because there were quite a lot of people that thought that maybe it wasn't such a good idea to have wind turbines in that particular area. How is it being decided whether the wind farm should go ahead? Well, in that case, they actually have something called a public inquiry, which is like a debate. It gives everyone an opportunity to present their views. And so the people who were for the wind turbine, the developers and people who supported it, gave their views. And then the archaeologists were able to give their views about why it might damage the landscape and the archaeology. And then there's somebody called the reporter who has to sum it all up. And he actually presents a case to the Scottish ministers. So in the long run, it's the Scottish government that decided it's out of our hands now, but everybody's had an opportunity to, to say what they think. Um, what effect could it have on the tourism and history of Orkney if the wind farm plans go ahead? Well, we're quite worried, the archaeologists are worried, because in this particular area, it's part of the World Heritage Site. And we know that the landscape in this area is really the same today, or very similar today to how it was 5,000 years ago when the stone circles were first built. And we know that this was very important to the people who built them. And we're worried that if it changes, that will affect the archaeology, and that might actually stop people from coming to visit the site. Because one thing that people like about the stone circles of Orkney is that they can get an idea of, of why they were built there and, and what the life was like at the time. And so we're worried that it, it might, yes, it might affect visitor numbers to Orkney. Here in Orkney, we are pioneering the development of wave energy. The sea snake device was tested here and was proved successful. Now three sea snakes will form the world's largest wave farm off the coast of Orkney. At a cost of 10 million pounds, is this the way ahead for green energy? Do you feel the sea snake would be a better alternative to the wind farm as, as it is not only a renewable source of energy but does not damage the sea rate? Yes, I think that from what I've seen the marine energy is great because the technology is very good, it's, it's quite efficient, it's still being developed but it's, it's nearly there and it does seem to cause much less damage to the environment so I would definitely see things like the sea snake as a, a good way forward, yes. Thought to be thousands of years old, Western Stone was found in January 1981 by a local man called John Rendell. When he found it, he was digging in a field in Westry. The stone has beautiful spirals and curly lines carved on it. If you want to see it, you can go to the Orkney Museum, where it has been now for over 25 years. But it is going back out to Westry when the new Heritage Centre is ready for it. The Heritage Centre is actually only a mile away from where John found the ancient but beautiful stone. A Neolithic chambered cairn is what the stone used to be part of. What were you doing when you found the stone? Were you on your own? Who did you tell first? We were actually digging out stone for building stone when we found it. And there were two other guys with me. And one of his daughters told the school headmaster about it. How did you feel when you found it? Were you surprised? I was very surprised actually. I never ever thought I would find anything like that. I didn't actually know what it was to begin with. How did you know it was special? I didn't to begin with. I thought it was a fossil to begin with. It was just a very small bit of the stone you saw to begin with. If you could keep it, would you 
and where, where would you protect? I don't think I would like to keep it. I think it's best if it's on show to the public. Are you happy it's going back to Westry? I am happy, yes. I think Westry is a good place. Seeing it was found there, it's a good place for it to be on show. All over the UK, more and more people are buying 4x4s. 4x4s are designed for use in the country but now they are becoming a common sight in the cities. Because of this, tax is being increased for 4x4 users because of their high CO2 emissions. Here is the MP for the Northern Isles, Alistair Carmichael, representing his party, the Liberal Democrats. In general, we do support uh, more tax on 4x4s. There is a real problem in, in some of the towns and cities, and, and again, because I spend so much of my time in London, I can see it there. You've got people um, who, who are driving around London in 4x4s using a massive amount of, of, of diesel or, or petrol, emitting horrendous amounts of carbon uh, for no good reason. I mean, it, these 4x4s hardly ever go through a puddle, let alone up a, 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 an untarred road. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, it seems to be that it's some sort of status symbol in a town. Well, you know, have your status symbols if you want. But if you're going to damage the environment by having your status symbol, then yes, expect to pay more for it. These taxes will cause problems for farmers in rural areas who need such vehicles. Farmers are not paid much, and if these taxes are released, it will cause havoc for their careers. Here is Orbe farmer Stuart Smith. Last year, 187,000 4x4s were sold, compared to 80,000 a decade ago. This is a growing problem which is causing Britain's carbon footprint to rise. Why do you own a 4x4 and what do you use it for? We own a 4x4, I'm a farmer. We use it to check the cattle in the summertime, they run through the fields with the car, saves a lot of time. We have a livestock trailer that we can tow behind the car and if we want to put cattle to the market or where we want to shift them, it saves us using a tractor and a bigger trailer so it can be quicker. Um, we also have a, a smaller trailer that we, get, we tow, <coughs> excuse me, that we tow behind the trailer to get supplies from the town. Um, perhaps we need some feed for the cattle or cement or timber or anything like that. We can take that rather than take the tractor and a large trailer. The government has said that there should be a higher tax than four by four. How will the rise in tax affect you? Well, it, it will affect me because I own a four by four. What are your opinions on this? I think it's maybe slightly unfair, as I said earlier, I believe we use a 4x4 to its full potential, whereas perhaps someone in the, uh, in the city um, might not, obviously not need it for the same purposes, maybe taking children to, to the school or going to their jobs in the city, they might not need the full benefit of a 4x4. Do you think your opinions are strong enough for you to start a protest? I think so indeed, yes, as I explained. We are using the vehicle to its full potential, what, it's, what it was built for, whereas in the city of that, a vehicle of that type would not necessarily be needed. So, yes. This is Maggie and Chrissy for BBC News School Report. The Liberal Democrats believe that there should be flexibility in the car tax system. Here in Orkney, they are represented by Alistair Carmichael. We've always made it clear that for areas that are 
uh, you know, remoter areas uh, where 4x4s are actually designed to uh, operate, then yes, there should be special rules brought in, there should be special provision to make sure that people who actually need a 4x4 aren't being penalised for using it. Uh, now, Orkney is obviously an area where, yes, people do need 4x4s a lot more. People who are working in, in farming uh, will obviously need one they will, because farmers are not making an awful lot of money at the moment. They will only be able to afford to have one vehicle. So it's got to be one vehicle that can do everything that they need it uh, to do. And that's why uh, we would want them to be exempted from, from uh, any extra charge on 4x4s. So the message is, yes, tax board but 4 by 4s to get rid of the ones that are not needed. Let's be sensible and flexible in the way we do it so that you damage, you don't damage the people who really do need them and who use them. One thing's for certain, there will be a rocky road ahead for anybody in this debate. Europe's biggest and most complex space truck has gone streaming into orbit after a night launch in South American jungle. The 20-ton space truck was launched to deliver food and vital equipment to the ESA space station in orbit. It will take a long three weeks to reach the space station. Once the food and equipment has been delivered to the space station, the truck will become a huge rubbish tank for the space station's waste. Around 6.5 tonnes of waste will be pumped into the space truck. As it heads back to Earth, small pieces of waste will fall into the Pacific Ocean. It is the first European spacecraft to operate in this way. Four more have been ordered with plans to launch one every 18 months. They are hoping this mission will succeed as it costed around a whopping three quarters of a, of a billion pounds. <laughs> Certain future for the people, animals, and plants living there. 
And now some news of what we will be doing for Sport Relief. This year's Sport Relief is when we do our mile. By doing this, we raise money. It's held on Friday the 14th of March 2008. We'll be doing our mile at the swimming pool and at the picky track. We will be wearing Sport Relief socks to give us an extra boost. Now I'm going to ask some questions to some of the people involved. When is Sport Relief Day? Friday! What are you doing for Sport Relief? Doing the mile. Where are you doing your mile? Kinder. Who are you doing your mile with? Everyone! Do you want to meet Socky? Sport Relief socks? Yes! Are you excited about going to the picky and doing your mile? Yes! So what are we going to do? Chapel. It was built by Italian prisoners during the Second World War, which is why it's called the Italian Chapel. It's one of the biggest tourist attractions in Orkney, 
with almost 100,000 visitors a year. We're from Gleetney School and we're here to find out how the chapel copes with the high visitor numbers and how it's maintained. From the front, the chapel looks very much like a chapel, but take a walk round the side and it's a different story. The chapel was originally called a Nessun Hut, an arched, prefabricated building which was used to house Italian prisoners of war. One of the prisoners was a man called Domenico Chiochetti. Before the war, he served as an apprentice to an artist who restored Italian churches. So when Chiochetti was held here in Orkney, he had the idea of creating a chapel where the prisoners could worship. But no one ever believed it would be anything as special as this. During the war, building materials were in short supply, so it's amazing what the prisoners managed to create out of concrete and plasterboard. The painting above the altar here of the Madonna and Child, it was done by one of the, the prisoners. His name was Dominica Chiacchetti. John Muir is a member of the Preservation Committee who knows everything there is to know about the chapel. How long did it take the prisoners to build all this? Well, the Italians were here for 18 months altogether, but when they left, the, the artist Domenico Chiacchetti stayed behind for three months to finish off the work that he was doing in the chapel. It was badly neglected immediately after they left. The door came off its hinges and the sheep were going out and in. But in 1960, uh, Domenico Chiacchetti was invited back to Orkney and he did a major restoration job in the chapel at that time. Restoration is an ongoing process for the Chapel's Preservation Committee. 100,000 visitors a year and Orkney's weather can soon take its toll. The history and romance of the Italian chapel make it a popular venue for weddings and christenings with people travelling from as far as New Zealand. The people of Orkney treasure this chapel with all of their hearts. Out of the conflict with the war came a symbol of love and peace. This is Gleitness School for BBC News School Report in Orkney. Way! So that's all the news for now, brought to you by Aidan and Katie of TV Gleitness. Hope you've enjoyed watching our BBC School Report. <laughs>